Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Brethren, you got to grab them by the nap of the neck. Curtis Cates used to tell us that at the Memphis School of Preaching over and over and over about sermon introductions. Last week we focused more about uh, sermon delivery. I want to focus about introductions, sermon design necessarily, uh, kind of shift gears into the design of the sermon as this, as this is designed to help you, to help you um, um, grow in your design. Some people it's very hard to write sermons, some people it's very easy to write sermons. But I want to talk about the design of the introduction. If you want to take a point, number one, make your introductions interesting, short, and clear. Uh, Warren Wearsby, one of the greats, said the main purpose of the introduction is to create interest and to convince the listener that he can be helped by hearing your message. You know it as well as I do. As you walk up to the pulpit, there are dozens of things that each person who is before you uh, can think about or they can do uh, before they even listen to you. <clears throat> you think about in between the the song or the scripture that's being read or or, or whatever, uh, it takes me roughly about five seconds to get up to the pulpit. And in that five seconds, folks have shifted gears to texting their friends, work on a to-do list, doodle on the back of the bulletin that they're not going to read. Uh, they might read the Bible on their own, which is great. They might pass notes. They might reflect upon the verse that was just read, uh, surf the Internet, play the games, um, you know, whatever. Get up for a long trip to the restroom. Um, or some folks just go ahead and think, well, let's get comfortable and go ahead and get our seat, get get asleep, you know. <laughs> and so as they begin to ponder whether or not they are going to give you their undivided attention as best as they can, uh, many of them have an unspoken question on their mind. And that question is this, why should I listen to your message? And they're often going to determine um, what they're going to do within the first couple of minutes of your message. If you bore them, you fail to grab their attention, you, you fail to grab them by the nap of the neck, as Curtis would say, um, you risk losing them uh, for much of the message. And, and the best way to ensure people listen to what you have to say is to have a compelling or a, a capturing introduction, something that's relevant, something that's needed to, hit, to be heard, a question that's asked that's intriguing. A good introduction can convince them that they can be helped by hearing what is about to be read um, and said, you know, the scriptures, the teaching. Um, in his book, Biblical Preaching, uh, Haddon Robinson says uh, this about introductions. He says, you must turn voluntary attention into involuntary attention. When you start, the people listen because they ought to listen. But before long, you must motivate them to listen because they can't help but listen. Now, there, there are many different ways to begin a message. You can read a scripture. You can give some background on the text, you know, the setting, the year, the author, the crowd, whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe some problems that the uh, that the Corinthian church was going through and Paul needed to write this letter about. You know, uh, maybe make a reference to a current event, a uh, personal story, uh, ask the church a question or two. And these are questions that you may be planning on answering during the message. Um, kind of pause here. I want to introduce you to something, if you, if you haven't heard it before. Uh, Simon Sinek, he does a TED Talk on um on sales and advertisement and in some of his books are very great leaders eat last i know that one for sure uh but anyway but one of his ted talks he talks about introductions and the selling 
of, uh, of a product. He talks about how Apple does it. Now, most of your companies will say, here's our product, here's the price, come and see us. Whereas Apple would say, you know, years ago, roll back the, the dial, um, they came out and said, wouldn't it be great if you had one device where you could, um, you know, answer a phone, answer an email, uh, send a message, um, have a GPS, whatever on one device? Yes. Aren't you tired of having multiple devices? Yes. Well, we happen to have that device, and that device is this and you produce the iPhone. And they don't even talk about a price. They just produce the product after they have you intrigued. And and you're, you're willing to buy it no matter the price because you're intrigued. And so that that's kind of that TED Talk in, in, um, in short. But whatever you say, make sure uh, the opening couple of minutes are interesting. You grab them uh, in a study that you may teach on um, evidence, you know, evidence of the trustworthiness of the Bible. Uh, don't just kick things off by sharing, you know, the first evidence. Uh, start off with a series of questions. You know, why do you trust the Bible? What evidence do you have that can that can be trusted? Um, what about other books like the Koran, the Book of Mormon? You know, whatever. Fill 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 in the blank. Uh, what what makes the Bible different <clears throat> than any of all the other books in the world? Um, these are challenging questions that people have in their mind that 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 are challenging to answer and questions that many people aren't prepared to answer. And so starting off with a teaching with questions like these help create uh, an interest. People realize that they could they could use some help in this area, that you are offering something that they do need, um, knowing that one day they might have to face these kind of questions. And, and it causes many people to sit down and to listen, grab a pen, uh, doodle on their notes, or, or text it in their phone. And they're willing to to listen and to learn, you know, and to hear more. And so as you consider potential introductions to your teaching, ask yourself these particular questions. Number one, does it fit the occasion? You don't want to start off with a joke to introduce a message about hell or about death or something very, very morbid. Um, B, does it actually introduce the subject of my message? And that's kind of relevant. <clears throat> and then C, do I deliver my message, <clears throat> or rather, do I deliver in the message what I promise in the introduction? Um, let's ask this question, D, is it short? Think of your introduction as an appetizer in relationship to the main course. Um, e, does it create the highest possible level of interest uh, to capture the congregation's attention? F, is the introduction clear, and is it striking? Your introduction should be crystal clear. I want you to imagine picking up a book and wondering if it's going to be worthy of your time and of your reading. Um, what do you do? You look at the table of contents, you read the first paragraph, or if you have time, you read the introduction. If you're confused by what is said there, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to put the book down. The same is true with your introductions. If you are unclear, or uninteresting, you're going to lose people. So that's the introduction and the thought of the introduction, but let's shift to preparing the introduction. And I would say prepare your introduction at the end of your studying. G. Campbell Morgan said on one occasion, the preface to a book is always the last thing written. So the best time, uh, generally speaking, to prepare an introduction for your sermon is after you've prepared the rest of the message. You don't want to work hard preparing a fantastic introduction early on in your preparation only to abandon it, to find it's not really going to fit, that you realize something, mm, let's do this more clearly. 
and what I'm actually teaching has nothing to do <clears throat> with the introduction. So your study time is too valuable to be wasting time with introductions that end up on the cutting room floor. So I want to encourage you to do all of your studying, your preparation, uh, then having become familiar with the content of your message, you will know better what you're actually introducing. So obviously, if you think you have a great idea for an introduction before you've done your studying, just jot it down. <laughs> you may end up uh, using it, and you may not end up using it. So that's kind of the idea of an introduction. Make it clear. Make it concise. Uh, write it at the end. Grab them by the nap of the neck. They're looking for help. They're looking for aid. You have something to offer. Um, and this isn't to say all of our sermons need to be some kind of catchy gimmick, as we looked at last week uh, with alliteration or, or tricks and mirrors. But you want your sermons to be relevant. The sermons will always be relevant and should always be relevant. And you have something that people need. And they are either in need of it then, and they are ignorant of that, or they are in need of being reminded. And you and I well know, Paul told Timothy, be a good minister. If you want to be a good, a good minister, remind the brethren. Remind the brethren of the teaching, of the doctrine, and so on. So, introductions, clear, concise. And wait, wait till your sermon is done. Wait till your sermon is done before you put an introduction on this thing called your sermon.